Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, want to just, uh, before Craig comes to speak, we want to introduce them, but also tie together some things. Uh, some of you remember that a number of months ago, maybe it was last year, uh, we heard that they had a need to build a much larger medical clinic, and so we took an offering, and our church uh, collected uh, over $60,000 uh, for that, and so I don't know if you've seen, I think do we have some pictures of that. This is the new uh, clinic. The one that we saw when we were there was just a metal uh, much smaller. So they were able to build a medical clinic. They were able to build a separate pharmacy. And also, for the first time ever, the village now has clean water because they were able to dig a well right there at the center. So isn't that great? So I just want you to know that one of the things that's been great is we've had an ongoing relationship and been able to be part of what God's doing with other churches and other people that have given to that and just tie that together. So here's also uh, some pictures. Uh, this is where they live. This is their house in Igali, which is a, one of the more remote places I've ever visited in the world. And uh, in fact, Brian said to me one day in their front yard, he says, I think we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's just completely out there. So again, what happened is, is that we, uh, we went uh, three years ago, and Brian and I helped uh, meet with 95 pastors to try and build into them. Scott and Cindy worked with uh, Allison on the medical side, and then Trish actually helped with the kids' schooling so that uh, they could work on those things. So we had a, a tremendous experience. And again, this is inside that church, being with some of the different pastors, and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to do that. Now, fast forward to the series that we're in now. Um, we, uh, when we thought about this, some of you know we plan months ahead and pray over what we're going to do in the services. And so this series, do we have the graphic of the, of the series we're in now called No Matter What? And as we were planning this series on Daniel, we got word that Craig and Allison might be back in the States about during this series at some point. So Craig has gone to seminary. Craig's a, a great preacher, actually, and we, he actually uh, preached once or twice before he left Cherry Hills in the late 90s. In fact, I actually photocopied my notes of one of his messages to him one time because it just so impressed me when he was in his 20s preaching then. So anyway, I wanted to tell you that when we thought about this series, we thought, what if Craig were to do something kind of like what he does in Africa? See, in Africa, because most people don't have Bibles and they're trying to start churches, he would walk into villages and then he would begin to story the major stories chronologically of the Bible. And what happened is that people came to meet God. And so what he's going to do today is share from Daniel 3. We thought there's very few stories in the Bible that are much cooler than Daniel 3. So we kind of set him up to win. I'm just kidding. But what happened is, but here's what I want you to know as far as the story. So we email him and ask him, would you be willing to do that? I mean, he's on furlough. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like necessarily a restful kind of thing when they meet with the churches and supporters. When we did that, we, did, we had no idea, but just a, a couple days before, Craig had been thinking a lot about Daniel 3. God had just been giving him tremendous thoughts about Daniel 3, and he had shared Daniel 3 with the rest of his mission team. And they told him, what you just shared with us has been very helpful to us. So then he gets an email from us saying, hey, would you teach on Daniel 3? He goes, I'd be glad to. 
So I just want you to know, God's been doing something internationally before he ever stands up today. Isn't that great? Well, good morning. It's really great to be here. I've been looking forward to coming. As Pastor Jeff was mentioning, um, he, they really, the, the, the uh, pastoral team here tossed me a softball, so hopefully I can hit, hit it out of the park because this is one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite stories um, of the entire Bible. As a matter of fact, when, he, when uh, I first was kind of reading through Brian's email about preaching, and I, I saw that he wanted me to preach on a certain topic. To be honest, that's my least favorite thing to do, for somebody to hand me a, a verse or whatever, a topic to preach on, because I just don't like to be hemmed in. But as soon as he said Daniel chapter 3, I knew God was in it. It was really cool to see. Um, and over the last month or so, uh, my family and I, my three kids, Zane, Ezra, and Anna, and my wife, Allison, we've been staying with the Rollets in their basement. And actually, when we think about America, my kids always think about the Rollets' basement. Because whenever we come, literally, whenever we come to the States, we do a lot of traveling. Uh, but for some reason, well, they, number one, they really like the Rollets. Uh, and so that, that's part of it. But also, just it's a great place to stay, and we really appreciate their hospitality. But every time we drive by Cherry Hills... Um, now, when we're going into town or whatever for the, the past month, my daughter always yells, Cherry Hills, just like that. So uh, there's going to be a, a special place, I think, in her heart. She's eight years old. So the last time she was in the States, she was, what, five. So it, it, we, we come to the States in chunks. And so Cherry Hills, I think, has cemented a real place in Anna's, Anna's heart. Today, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter three. Now, as Pastor Jeff says, I work in a place that the people basically don't read the Bible. They listen to the Bible because most of them can't read. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 3 right now, right now. This might be the last time in this, uh, in this sermon that you turn to Daniel chapter 3, but what I want you to do is find Daniel chapter 3, take your bulletin or take something else uh, so that you can mark it. And I want you to put the bulletin in it, and I want you to close the Bible. Not because I don't believe in the Bible, I believe in the Bible, but because I want you to listen to the story today. I think listening to the Word of God um, is a good thing to do. I think reading it is a good thing, um, but today we're going to do it a little bit differently, and I just want you to listen to what God has to say to us. And I've entitled this sermon, Meshach, Meshach. Now, there are three guys we're going to talk about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I have chosen Meshach as my personal hero, my favorite of the three, if you want to think of it that way. I pick him because I think that Meshach and I have a lot in common. I hope so, anyway. One of the things we have in common is that <clears throat> Meshach lives in a foreign country. I live in Ethiopia. He lives in Babylon. He's not from Babylon, so it was a foreign country for him. We both face some very cross-cultural challenging situations. You're going to see one of the, the situations that he faces in his life. And also, maybe more importantly, at least for the connection between me and Meshach, is that both of us have had the local population butcher our names. Um, and you know from maybe previous, I, I know that you've been working through Daniel 1 and 2 the last couple weeks, you know that Meshach is not really his real name. That's not what, what his mama, 
you know, the name his mama gave to him, or probably his dad in his case. Um, his real name was Mishael, Mishael, right? When he moved to Babylon, they changed his name to Meshach. There's a really funny coincidence that happened with me in, about 10 years ago when I moved to Ethiopia. When I moved to Ethiopia, I got a driver's license there in Ethiopia, and my middle name is Michael. So they wrote my name down in the Fidel. The Fidel is the Amharic script. So we have the English you know, script, and then there's another script, which is the Fidel in the Amharic. And so they wrote down Craig, Craig. They kind of got Craig right, but then they misspelled my name, my middle name. And you know what they misspelled it to? They misspelled it to Mishael. So there's something deeply, I feel like I, I have this, something in common with Meshach, um, because officially my middle name is Mishael in, uh, in Ethiopia. Well, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these guys were the real deal. They were really dudes getting it done in a cross-cultural setting. I think of these guys as the SEAL Team 6 of missions. You know, these guys were the tough dudes. You know the story, maybe. If not, I'm going to tell it to you. There's this big, bad King Nebuchadnezzar. He makes this massive image of gold, and then he sets it up. I mean, this thing was huge. I think it was 90 feet tall. Huge. He sets it up on this plain called Dura out in Babylon. And then he makes this decree. He says that when the music starts playing, everyone is supposed to bow down and worship this image of gold. Now he says, if you don't want to bow down and worship the image of gold, which is option number one, you can always choose option number two. Option number two was not as pleasant. Option number two was to be thrown in this blazing, fiery furnace. Well, this caused a big problem for Meshach and his friends. And the reason is, they were followers of the one true God. They were Jews living in Babylon. And they know that if they were going to be faithful to God, they weren't going to be able to bow to this idol. Now, these boys, they had a choice to make. The truth is this. For us today, we don't run into this kind of choice very often. It might be that once in a great while, you'll run into this kind of choice. But all of us can point to times in our life when we've had difficult situations, when our faith has been challenged a little bit. And at those points in our life, we have choices. We get to choose to follow God or not to follow God. King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't specifically trying to pick on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, the king, I'm sure, had other things on his mind. Countries to invade, taxes to wage, whatever it is that kings do, he wasn't thinking about Meshach and, and giving him a hard time so much, but his actions very much affected Meshach and his friends. Life is like that. Sometimes bad things just happen to us. Sometimes our culture will put us into situations that really challenge our faith or they just give us a hard time in some kind of way. It's hard to be people of faith when the world around us, when things around us, when the people around us are telling us to go a different path. Now, I want to tell you a story of, of an example, uh, an example of this point. There was an evangelist, this was quite a few years ago, there was an evangelist, an evangelist in Ethiopia who was working in some of our churches, actually one of our churches there in Ethiopia, and something awful happened in his life. He'd been working several years in this church when his daughter got very sick, 
And his daughter got so sick that eventually she died. It was a very sad occasion. Now, at that point, he found out that someone from a rival clan had put a curse on, on his family. And he firmly believed in his heart that it was because of this curse that his daughter had died. And actually, after working with uh, curses and witch doctors and uh, animists, I actually believe that's probably one of the reasons why his daughter died. In response to his daughter's death, this evangelist, though, didn't really respond very well. He went to the local witch doctor. He was so mad about this issue. He went to the local witch doctor, and he had a curse put on the family that had cursed him. Well, as you can imagine, this did not help his ministry any. As a matter of fact, today, he's no longer in the ministry. He's really, as far as I know, he's no longer a Christian. He's not even involved in the church at all. Honestly, this man's response, at least for us, is so foreign to us that it's almost incomprehensible. You know, if your child died, would your response be to go to the nearest witch doctor and put a curse on somebody else? Probably not. But the key to understanding his response is this. It's to recognize that in times of trouble, in difficult times, we tend to revert back to what we know, what we're comfortable with, what we grew up with, uh, the sins that we kind of like, you know what I mean? That's what we tend to do. To you and me, witch doctors, curses, these are all strange, foreign, exotic kinds of ideas. But to this guy, this evangelist, they're real, they're familiar, They're comfortable. His default setting, his culture, told him to respond to this challenge in a very certain way, and he folded. He did not stay faithful to God. Now, our culture puts us in these kinds of situations as well. You know, we think, ah, that's over in Ethiopia. But that's not over in Ethiopia. That's everywhere. When things don't work out like we expect them to, when bad things happen in our life, we don't go running to witch doctors Most likely, we run towards doubt, right, or skepticism. Sometimes we bury ourselves in our work, or we find an addiction, you know, that we get hooked on. The default religion in America is not animism, like it is where I work. It's skepticism. It's overconfidence in self. It's trust in money or in things or in financial security. The people of Babylon... They were under incredible cultural and physical, literally physical pressure to conform to this decree. They were being given a choice. Choice number one. Do you remember the choices? Choice number one. Bow. When the music starts up, they could bow to this idol. Choice number two. Who remembers choice number two? What was it? Fiery furnace. You can get chucked in the fiery furnace. Needless to say, most of the people there in Babylon folded, and they bowed to this image. But this is where our all-star mission team enters the story. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I always think this would be a great action movie, you know. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Um, But these boys, they weren't from this area. Remember, they were from uh, Israel. They were Jews who'd been abducted, literally abducted, and taken to serve in the Babylonian government. They were far from home, But they weren't alone. And more importantly, they had their faith. They had their faith and they had it together. And their faith told them this, that there was only one God. 
and he was not a 90-foot statue on the plain of Dura. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow to the idol when the music started. Now, like every good action you know, movie, this one had its enemies. There's, a, there's always a bad guy in, in every movie, right, in every story, and this story is no different. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow to this idol, their enemies saw what had happened, and they went and they ran and they squealed on them. They went and told the king what had happened. Hey, these guys didn't, didn't bow to your idol. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were then forced to come in and answer to the king. Now, at first, it's actually interesting when you read the text, it seems like the king was actually fairly lenient on these guys. He sat them down. He said, okay, boys, listen up. It's real simple, two options. Option number one, when the music starts up, which I'm sure you're going to do, you're going to take this option because it's the best option. Option number one, music starts up, just bow. That's all you got to do. Of course, you could always choose option number two, fiery furnace. So they were given these clear options. The king was more than willing to work with them. We just got to straighten you out and get you figured out. But now listen. This is, I think, where the story gets really good, really exciting. Before the king could even start up the band, before he could order the musicians to start playing, this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. And I'm going to quote it from the Bible. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then, this is the kicker of the whole story, in my opinion. They say three words. They don't sound like much, but put in this context, they're powerful. They say, but even if. Think about that. But even if. But even if God does not choose to save us from your fiery furnace, we want you to know, O king, we want you to know, O king, that God, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. That's the kind of missionary I want to be. That's probably the kind of Christian you want to be. When the tough days come in Ethiopia, when the witch doctor puts a curse on my family, when the Muslim village leaders threaten me or my evangelists, when the government guys call on the police to harass us for some reason, when the rains come and the roads look impassable because of the mud, I want to channel my inner Meshach. I want to look to my hero, Meshach, and say these words. You know something? God is big enough to get me out of this mess. That's what I believe. But even if he does not, I'm not going to back down. That's inspiring to me. You know, today, I want to hopefully be able to teach you something. I don't know. Maybe I'll learn something in this text. But more than that, I want to be able to motivate you to be able to handle whatever comes at you. See, a lot of us know the truth. A lot of us know what we should be doing, but it's really difficult to do it when the time comes. Today's message is as much about motivation as it is about learning, because 
I think it's important for us to be motivated to have heroes, have guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we can look to and say, that's the kind of person I want to be. I really like those words. But even if. See, they don't signal a lack of faith. They're a statement of conviction. They say, I believe God can handle this challenge, but even if he chooses not to, I'm willing to burn. That's just powerful. When you think about that particular situation, even if God does not choose to save me, I'm willing to burn. You know, very often God fixes our problems. We go to him, we ask him for something, and he gives it to us. It's amazing that he does that for us. But some days, if you're going to be effective in ministry, if you're going to be effective at your, as, to be a Christian at work or at school, some days, if you want to be the kind of person who stands firm in your faith, you're going to have to be willing to burn. The last couple of years have been pretty challenging for my family and I in Ethiopia for several different reasons. Allison and I, and actually Ezra, have had, several, have had malaria several different times. We've sent our kids off to boarding school in Kenya. That's not a lot of fun. We've gotten stuck in the mud a bunch. And it feels like we've been spending more time burning and less time winning. Sometimes life is like that. And I've been thinking more and more about Meshach. As a matter of fact, Pastor, Pastor Jeff talked about how when I got the opportunity to speak about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'd actually been thinking about Meshach for probably six, seven months before that because I'd been really struggling and trying to gain some encouragement from, from this guy, from Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My family and I drive down some pretty rough roads in Ethiopia. We get put in some situations that are not a lot of fun. Um, it could be, well, usually it's during the rainy season, so it could be that a, a tree has fallen across the road. Um, it could be that the rivers uh, that we cross, we literally cross three rivers to get to our house. Sometimes when it rains, it floods. It's just really scary, a little bit challenging. Could be that just the rains have created a mud bog on a road and we get stuck a lot. We don't really know what any road is going to look like on any given day. And that's why we go down these roads prepared. We go prepared with three specific uh, tools. We go with a winch, uh, a winch on the front of our car. We have something called a high lift jack, if you, if you know what those are. And the other thing we always go with is a shovel. Because sometimes you just have to dig yourself out of, out of the mud. Life is like that road. You might spend years of it, cruising down it, no problem. But then all of a sudden, cancer, financial problems, maybe the death of a loved one, loss of a job, maybe a hundred other different things. I could go on and on, literally. And probably as many people in this room, I could go on for as many different kinds of things that could go wrong. Everybody has these challenges in your life. Does your faith have the tools to handle these kind of challenges? One of the most important tools in Meshach's toolbox in this story is that he was surrounded by a small community of like-minded believers. I'm going to say that again because it's a really important point. One of the tools in Meshach's toolbox of faith was that he was surrounded by a like-minded, by a small community of like-minded believers believers. He didn't do it alone. You know, there's a great quote from the book book of Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, 
the other will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together to keep warm, how can one be warm? Uh, to, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were a cord of three strands, not quickly torn apart. Anybody in this room, I'm sure, who has successfully navigated through a difficult situation in their life will know the importance of having a community to help you through it, a group of people who will stand by you no matter what. This group of people for you, this faith team that for you is your church. It's your small group. It's the people in this room. Now, I used to work in the church. I was a youth minister in a church in uh, Tennessee. And at that time, we actually had a church split while I was in the church. So I know that churches can be messy places. Some of you might be saying, you know, Craig, you just don't know the people I have to deal with in church or my small group or whatever. Yeah, churches, small groups, they're messy places. That's just the reality. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. Sometimes there are hard people to get along with in the church as well as outside of the church. But the truth is, if you're not developing these strong relationships in your church, in your small group, then you're driving down the muddy road of life without a winch, without a shovel. And when you run into a tough situation, when you run into a difficult situation, you're going to be unprepared. As you might imagine, King Nebuchadnezzar did not respond well to Shadrach, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to him. Because he was not used to being challenged. His, his authority was, he was not used to his authority being challenged. And so the Bible says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. It was curtains for these boys. They were toast, literally. But even in the face of imminent death, Meshach and his friends did not fold. His faith stood firm. You see, Meshach understood that faith, at least one way to think about faith, is the act of aligning our goals with God's goals. Let me say that again. This is not the only definition of faith, but I think this is a good working definition of faith. It's the act of aligning our goals with God's goals. Sometimes we want the definition to be just slightly changed. Sometimes we want it to be the act of getting God to align with our goals. That's what we want Him to do. But that's not the way God works. God's definition of success is not our definition of success or the world's definition of success. I want you to hear what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to the king. I'm going to keep repeating this line because I think it's really good and I want it to stick in your head. This is what they say. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, but even if he does not. See, they're realigning their goals. They're saying, this is what I want. This is what I hope for. This is what I'm praying for. But even if God doesn't do that, 
if his goals are different than mine, if his plan is different than mine, then I want you to know, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's what I like to call, but even if, faith. You see, God is in control. That's what this series is all about. God is in control, but that doesn't mean that we understand what he's doing. Our job is to align our goals with God's goals. Allison and I have a friend in Ethiopia, and her name is Emeta. And I want to close with this story. Emeta is a deaconess in our church in Aigali. We live in a village, a kind of a broader village called Aigali. Well, Emeta used to live about a two hours walk from our house in a place called Bunt. Now, a number of years ago, and Pastor Jeff referred to this earlier, a number of years ago, we had been getting into different villages and doing what's called chronological Bible storying, CBS. That's what we called it. That's not what we called it, but that's what a lot of people call it. And it's really just a fancy term for telling a Bible story every week. So every Tuesday morning, we would come to the village of Boone, tell a story, and we work through the Bible this way. The folks in this village had never heard of Jesus. They'd never heard of the Bible, so we, just, we had to start from scratch. Now, we came to uh, her village, but before we actually came to her village, Emmeta had been struggling with a physical condition. Her belly had been swollen, and she was always weak. She was always tired. She was always worn out. She'd spent a lot of money uh, trying to get the witch doctor to help her, but up to that point, she was really in bad shape. Now, when we came to her story, she started coming to our Bible storytelling times. Actually, almost everybody in the village did. And the reason wasn't spiritual. The reason was there was really nothing else to do. I mean, think about it. These villages are out in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's this tall white dude that's coming with a bunch of, you know, gumus uh, evangelists telling stories. Sure, why not? Let's go listen. Well, she started listening to the stories about God, about you know, the creation story, first of all, about Abraham, the prophets, the life of Jesus. And at first, it was just for fun. But after a while, she started thinking, you know, these stories, they might have something more than just fun in them. After all, Jesus, this guy Jesus, he healed sick people, and I'm a sick person. That's what she thought in her head. Well, one day, Aboma, one of my evangelists, his picture was actually up, up there a few minutes ago. He was the guy reading the Bible. Aboma came to her village to tell a story about Jesus. And sometime during the story, she asked Aboma a very direct and very pointed question. She said, Aboma, does God still heal people today? And Aboma said, yeah, he, he can heal people. She said, show me. I, I want to see. I want to see how God does this. And so Aboma took the time to talk about prayer, to talk about how God, if he chooses, can heal anybody he wants to. And Emeta, at that moment, she wasn't a Christian at this point, she looked to him and she said, I want you to pray for me. I want you to ask God to heal me. So Abama did that for her. And over the next few days, Emeta began to feel much better. It had been years since she'd felt better. After five days, she was completely healed. Her abdomen had which had been swollen, had decreased in swelling. She had a lot of energy. She was super pumped. She was excited. God had healed her. Well, the next week, next Tuesday, Abama showed up once again to 
to preach and, and teach a story or to tell a story about Jesus, but this time the people of Bunt had a story to tell, them, to tell him about how, God had, how Jesus had healed one of them. It was really exciting. The, uh, the gospel message took off in that village, as you might imagine. Uh, needless to say, it was not hard to get a crowd uh, to come to, to, the, to the Bible story in Bunt. And really, it was through Emmetah's testimony that the church in Bunt grew to about 50 people that were really strong, solid believers. A few years ago, the village of Bunt was forcibly moved, literally forcibly moved, to our village. The government does this sometimes. Uh, I, I won't go into the reasons they do it, but it has to do with education and medical kinds of stuff. stuff. Well, they're forcibly moved, and Emmeta and her family were forced to move to our village in Igali. At the time, she was married, and she had several grown kids. And when she moved to our village, she became a strong member in our church, and she became very active in the church. Her husband was sort of involved in our church. He wasn't hostile to our church, but he wasn't as involved as she was. Well, suddenly at that time, Emmeta's husband became very sick, and he came to our clinic. And at the clinic, uh, Allison, who is a nurse, and uh, our other nurse, Lemma, who's a Gumu's guy, they diagnosed him with liver failure because of all the drinking, the excessive drinking he'd been doing for lots of years. So it wasn't very good. It wasn't a very good diagnosis. Over the next few months, the church leaders would go to Emmeta's house and they would pray for Emmeta's husband. Unfortunately, Emmeta's husband eventually died. And I'll be honest, when that happened, I was a little worried. How would she respond? She was such a strong member of our church. Would she crack under the pressure? Would her faith fold when she saw that, you know, God hadn't healed the man? Well, the next Sunday, Emmeta was at church praising God as enthusiastically as ever. It was really cool to see. I was so unhappy, I was so happy and so intrigued by what I saw that actually a little while later, I actually went and interviewed her. I talked to her about it. I said, boy, you, I can see there's still a lot of joy in your life. Tell me about it. And this is what she said. And honestly, the words that she said, and I'm going to quote them to you, the words that she said are worth literally the, the, whatever cost I have paid to be a missionary in Ethiopia. It is to sit there and listen to this lady say these words. It was all worth it. So I want you to listen. This is what she said to me. She said, Craig, sometimes God chooses to heal and sometimes he doesn't. God chooses for himself. I have to choose for myself. Now, it's just powerful. God chooses for himself and I have to choose for myself and I choose to stay with God. Now, I haven't told you how the Meshach story turns out. Meshach and his buddies were thrown into the fiery furnace. I haven't told you, and I'm not going to. That's probably not how most (laughs) stories end, but I'm not going to tell you. What I want you to do is take your Bible today, tomorrow, this week, and I want you to read this story for yourself. I want you to go back and say, what is it that God did in this situation? I will give you a mini spoiler and say, it's pretty cool. It's, It's a pretty cool ending. You won't be disappointed in the ending. But I'll say this, Emmeta and Meshach have something in common. They both exhibit that but even if attitude. She's seen God work in her life. 
She knows that God can heal and that sometimes he does. Sometimes he chooses to. But even if God chooses not to heal her husband, but even if God chooses not to save Meshach from that fiery furnace, but even if God chooses not to heal me of malaria, if God, but even if God does not choose to eliminate your financial problems, but even if everything ends in what appears to be worldly failure, we want you to know, O King, that we will not bow to your golden idol. We will not give up our faith in the Creator God. We will not turn to witch doctors and magic. We will not wilt into a puddle of skepticism. We will not give in to the demons of doubt. We will not curl up in our protective blanket of materialism. And we will not abandon the one true God who gave us life in the first place. little over a thousand miles from here <clears throat> is a church that's having to decide this morning whether or not they're going to keep trusting God. And they've shown many of us their choice. And it's pretty beautiful. And we don't necessarily know what's in store for us as a church family. We don't know what's in store for us individually. But Craig's message today is a reminder that we need to choose, and we can choose to stay with God. And it's such a great reminder that God has chosen to stay with us. So we wanted to close the service today by praying for Craig and Allison and Zane and Ezra and Anna, because as they go back, they're in a real time of uh, discerning what they should do. They have a, a relationship with the government there, that allows them to be in the country, and so they're trying to discern what their long-term relationship with, is, with Ethiopia is, how that might look, whether it be another part of Ethiopia or whatever, and they just need God's wisdom. They're leaving tomorrow morning to go to Pennsylvania to see his elderly parents, and then they'll be going out to the West Coast before they head back to Ethiopia to see some other family and do some things together as a family. But we want to pray for them as they go back to Ethiopia. You know, many times as a church, we've talked about sending people uh, as a church family. And so I want to ask Craig if he'd come up. And while he's coming up, here's a picture, I think, of his family. Uh, that's Zane on top. He's going to be in ninth grade at the Kenya boarding school this year. And Ezra is going to be in sixth grade. Uh, and then Anna in the front there with red hair, she's going to be in fourth grade. Uh, Allison and Craig homeschool her. And... Um, so they're just in a really big time of transition. So I'm going to put my hand on Craig's shoulder. And on behalf of our church, I'm going to pray that God will give them the power to live the Christian life wherever they go. And that he'll do the same for us. So would you pray with me? 
Now, Lord, it is such a privilege. What a privilege to partner with Craig and Allison, Zane, Ezra, and Anna. And we want to pray for them as they get ready to go back to Ethiopia. Craig's been honest about the fact that there are just days when serving you is not glamorous. And it's not always easy, but it's worth it. And I pray that you'll go before them, that they will know your hand on their lives, and that they will experience the kind of inspiration and motivation from your Holy Spirit that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And we ask, Lord, that you'll help them be faithful and that you'll guide their steps, that they'll be able to discern what the next chapter is supposed to be like. And we just thank you that they've answered your call. Show us how to answer your call on our lives. And again, as a church, we're so grateful for their ministry. Empower them, provide everything they need. Now, God, as we go today on this Father's Day, show us how to walk with you. Show us how to to use the tools you've given us to have but even if faith, no matter what. In your name we pray, amen.